Wow, what a fantastic morning. Such a joy. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Holly, for giving us the opportunity to celebrate with you and uh, for us all to remember what Jesus has done and the testimony that he's done in our lives. It is such a joy to affirm your baptism here this morning. Fantastic. Thanks be to God. Wonderful. So, I would uh, like you to turn uh, in your Bibles, there are some available from the bookcase, uh, to Luke chapter 8. And I'm bringing uh, a particular uh, word for this morning. I'm departing from our theme. I'm just bringing something that uh, uh, I want to share with us all uh, as a St. Barnabas Church family here this morning. So it's uh, Luke uh, chapter 8, and I'm reading verses 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you identify with those disciples? I certainly uh, do. Do you identify with times where circumstances in our lives become overwhelming and out of control? Have you ever come across the reality of that? I certainly have. In these situations, whom do we turn to? What do we do when we're faced with overwhelming circumstances? Well, as I've been thinking about this, I was uh, reminded of uh, some teaching which my uh, training incumbent, so that's my boss vicar when I was training to become a vicar, his name is Mike Breen, and he did some great teaching on the life of Joseph. And I, um, he's, he started doing devotionals, so I thought, oh, I, I need to just listen to one of those devotionals about Joseph, because I remembered there was something that Mike had noticed about Joseph and his dreams. Now, I'm hoping that most people will know about the story of Joseph, either because of Genesis, or because of, of course, the Technicolor Dreamcoat musical that went on. So I'm expecting when I get to Pharaoh, a lot of Elvis impersonators to suddenly stand up because that was what they used as their riff when Pharaoh came on. But I just want to focus on the stages of Joseph's life, as we can see through his dreams. So when he was a teenager, Joseph 
had a dream. This is what it says in Genesis 37, verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. I think we could say at this stage of Joseph's life, he's showing he is the typical teenager. He is the center of his world. And those of you with teenagers have got a little grin on your face at the moment. And he's not only the center of his world, but he's the center of the universe. I mean, that's moon and stars bowing down to him. He's the center of his world, and he wants everybody to know that. The brothers have an adverse reaction, to put it mildly. They aim to kill him. He's taken off into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. It's an extremely hard time. It's truly terrible circumstances that he's now in, completely out with his control. The next stage of Joseph's dreams we're moving now to chapter 40. Because in, in prison, two people, the baker and the cupbearer, bring their dreams to him. And this is what, uh, the conversation. This is the conversation that happens. Joseph asked them, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So at this stage, Joseph has moved on from teenage self-absorption. We can tell that because he says to these people, why do you look so sad? So he stopped looking at himself and he's noticed something about the baker and the cupbearer. And his response to their question shows that somewhere in the midst of all the terrible circumstances that have been going on for him, he has looked to God and he has called out to God. Because he says, do not interpretations belong to God. So he's acknowledging God in that moment. But then he goes on to say, tell me your dreams. Where Joseph is a teenager, it's him at the center of his universe, his world. At this point, he's still at the center of his world and he's saying, God, join me in the center here, isn't he? That's what's going on. Because he's saying to those two people, tell me your dreams. So God, you come into my center. And then he says to them, he says to the cupbearer, to whom he gives a favorable interpretation, he says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He's saying, remember me when you get out. He's trying to make things happen. 
and come up with solutions to his predicament. He's trying to make sure that he gets out of prison. And what happens? The cupbearer forgets him. And he has another two years of imprisonment. And then in chapter 41, Pharaoh comes in to the scene. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. This is a mega shift. As a teenager, Joseph was the center of his universe. In prison, it's, I know God, but tell me. At this point, we can see the exchange has happened. It's God right at the center of Joseph's life. In fact, Mike describes this verse, verse 16, as the real crux of the whole story of Joseph because this is in the moment where he's saying it's God who's going to do this it's nothing to do with me at all it is God who's going to do it and it is this point that we see that God is at the center of Joseph's life at the point uh, that I was listening to this podcast I was facing tough circumstances, multiple situations that were out with my control, and it was extremely challenging. And I realized that my prayers were pretty consistently, help me God, at various levels of volume and desperation, but it was roughly the same prayer, help me God. And the realization hit me as I listened to this podcast. I was like Joseph with the answer to the cupbearer's dream. God, this is tough. You come and help me. You come and join me in this. Isn't that what help me God is saying? You come and join me. Well, even as I say that, I slightly shake. Who am I to say to God, you come and join me? Yes, it's good for me to say, help me, God. It's good for us all to pray that. But it's very much, God, come into my situation. The perspective I need to have is, God, you're at the center. You're at the center. What difference does this make? Well, as I look to God as I worship God, as I pray to God at the center, then I realize that God is in control of everything. He can bring change to the present. And the Bible promises, Romans 8, 28, 
that God can bring good out of every circumstance. And this needs a posture change. A posture change. Instead of kind of navel-gazing and wondering what's going to happen to me, a bit like that preoccupied teenager version of Joseph, I need to lift my head up to God and put everything back to him. We've got space here in the center, haven't we? What we've described in terms of movement is Joseph, or when I was being faced with these circumstances, being so preoccupied with myself that I was at the center of it all. And then saying to God, help me, God, come and join me in this. Come and help me out. But what really needs to happen is for me to move out of the center. For me to come to here and say, God, you are at the center. And when I do that, when we do that, then what I've noticed is I receive the peace and the rest that only God can give. But I also start to get a bubble of excitement about what God is going to do. Because honestly, when I'm in here saying, help me, God, I've still got all the plans for fixing everything going on around my head dominating the thoughts and all that. But if I step back to here, who has more resources to sort the situation out? Who actually knows what's happening in the other people's lives? Who's bringing change in unexpected ways? Well, that's God. Joseph would never have guessed from the prison that he would eventually end up ruling Egypt. And honestly, the teenage Joseph and the help me God Joseph would have tried to make it happen if he had known that. But he was right in the pit, in the prison. And he got to the point of saying, only God can do this. And look what God did. Where are you in your life? Are you in the center with everything revolving around you? Or have you realized that there is a God and you've been calling out and you're asking him to join you in the center of your life? Or have you got God in the center, that he's in control? When you think about your concerns and your challenges, who is at the center of that? Is it you who's going to overcome the challenge? Or is it the Lord working through you? That's a subtle shift, but it is a mega shift. 
So I will repeat that. Is it you that is going to overcome the challenge? Or is it the Lord working through you? I've described the stages of Joseph's life in relation to the dreams. And if I'm honest, I go between all three all the time. I find I'm particularly selfish and self-absorbed when I'm around my family. Funny that. Seemed to happen to Joseph too, didn't it? More often, I'm like the disciples in the boat. Help me, God, we're going to drown, and you don't appear to be doing anything or even care. In fact, you're asleep. What is going on? And yet, the one that the disciples turn to is the same God as Joseph's God. Jesus has the power to change the circumstances. It's really good they called out to him. They were right to turn to him. And he sorts it out, but he turns to them and says, where's your faith? And I think what's going on there is he's rebuking them that they haven't yet got God in the center of their lives. As clearly Jesus did. I mean, he was God, so God was at the center of his life. But that meant he could sleep, he could rest, he could be at peace. Wouldn't you love that? when you're facing the challenges that go on day to day. To be in such a place of peace and rest in God that you know he's got it and he's got you. And he's got the other people involved as well. This is a miraculous shift in perspective, isn't it? Holy Spirit, come and bring us this shift in perspective today right here. We've heard the testimonies from Holly and Sylvia as they've said to God, come into the center of my life. And there will be times of ups and downs from this moment. You chat to anyone who's a follower of Jesus here will say there are times of ups and downs. Times of doubt and times of self-absorption. But to counteract that, we need to actively consider God at the center. I have found it's changed the way I've prayed. So instead of saying, help me, God, I've been saying, Lord, you're glorious. I worship you. I humbly come to you. And then I start to pray about what the situation is. But it's with Asking for God's perspective rather than my solutions. And then being open to God working through me. I'm learning through this that in terms of my posture towards God, I need to vacate, I need to leave the throne of my own life. And allow God to be at the center, to be on the throne. When you look at the plan for the week ahead, 
Who's at the centre of that plan? When you think about your concerns and your challenges, who's at the centre of that? Is it you that's going to overcome the challenge or is it the Lord working through you? Is it the Lord at the centre or is it still you inviting the Lord to be there with you? I think it would be really good if together we invited God into the centre. I haven't got this worked out at all. I've explained I go through ups and downs through this. But I do know that when I actively say it's God at the centre, there is a shift in perspective. And it is a mega shift.